nobody is exempt from hard times. You know, sometimes we get hit as a couple and other times it's really just our spouse that bears the brunt of the burden. But our goal today is to really show you how you can draw alongside and support your spouse during those hard times. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode number 91. And we are going to be revealing what you can do and need to be doing to support your spouse through hard times. So there's a proverb in the biblical book of Ecclesiastes. It says that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Mm-hmm. So there's this innate advantage to being a couple. Yes. In that we have the ability to lift each other up when we fall down. Yes. But sometimes, you know, we're not sure how to help or sometimes we could even miss the cue when our spouse is asking for support. And other times we just get stuck kind of wallowing around in our own stuff and (laughs) aren't much use. We don't notice or we, you know, I hate to say it, but we don't Don't care. care. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what? Yeah. I was just going to say, I think what you're going to say. So go ahead. I think every spouse, you know, even if we mess up, wants to be a spouse that's really there for their wife or their husband. It feels good to know what to do and how to do it and to see your spouse benefit from it. Like, like, okay. I'm a good spouse now. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yes. So today we're going to talk about the importance of support and then we'll look at how you can dial into how your spouse prefers to be supported and from that, how to give the right type and the right amount of support. Those are all separate research-based issues. Really interesting. Okay. So I think that it's, it's kind of probably redundant to say this out loud, but we're going to start here. It's important to provide support in your marriage. Yes. And it's important for two reasons. Supporting each other is not only important for the well-being of the spouse who's experiencing the hardship, but also for the well-being of your marriage and the intimacy you experience as a couple. And probably most of us realize this at subconscious level, but until like I read that or, and now say it out loud, like I didn't really get that there's two parts to this. Okay. So one is you're directly supporting a person, but the other thing is you're taking care of a bond. Oh. And that's a really cool feature of this. Yeah, And so let's kind of look first at the benefits of supporting one another. So there was this research and they took patients with cancer. They noticed that these patients with cancer who are married or in intimate relationships, they often have difficulty talking about the cancer related concerns with their spouse. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. And so they decided to test the effectiveness of an emotional disclosure intervention between, and we'll unpack what these are, between patients with GI gastrointestinal Mm -hmm. cancer and their spouses And so they randomly assigned 130 patients with GI cancer and their spouse to receive one of two things, either partner-assisted emotional disclosure or couples cancer education and support intervention. Okay. Okay. Now what those are, the the partner-assisted emotional disclosure just included one partner disclosing feelings and concerns related to the cancer and that just everything about that experience to the spouse. And so this was a relational and emotional experience Mm -hmm. between the spouses The other kind was the education support sessions. And this included presentations of information related to living with cancer as well as written handouts. So where the previous was relational, this was educational and informative. Okay. Okay. But it had handouts. (laughs) Perfect. So 
they looked at the results then on the impact on the marriages. And it showed that compared to the education support sessions, the partner-assisted emotional disclosure led to greater improvements in relationship quality and intimacy. Okay. So the relationship quality was measured on a wide global measure of satisfaction with the relationship. And they asked questions like, or got people to evaluate statements like, my relationship with my spouse makes me happy. Or Mm -hmm. I really feel like part of a team with my spouse. Mm -hmm. So they used these kinds of evaluational statements and got people to rank them for both types of treatment, if I can call that. The intimacy was measured in terms of the level of closeness and trust that spouses felt toward each other. And so when we look at this and see that the intimacy and the relationship quality did better with the emotional kind of relational approach over the let's educate, understand, get our minds around it approach, it just really underscores the importance of intimacy. Yeah. I think I was going to say husbands, especially, but both genders would be prone to this. Yeah. You know, we can go on a huge search for facts about the problem when the reality is like, we just need to connect with our spouse. Yes. You should be saying you though, because it's like my husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying not to be that. Kind of weirding me out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. And that, that connection is the vital component here at the feelings level. Yeah. The emotional connection. I mean, that just goes to like having a conversation and listen to understand. Don't just switch instantly into solutions mode. Yeah. And that's the same kind of thing. We want the connection. We don't just want the information and the education. And Yes. Hmm. Even with cancer. Yeah. Which is shocking in a way because the only thing you want to do is get cured. Like that's about the solution, right? Yeah. Yeah. But for the, the bond, it was the emotional connection that mattered. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. So supporting your spouse is important. Lesson learned. Yeah. But the catch here is that not all support is equally helpful. And Ooh. and that's the next part, which is the way in which you support your spouse makes a big difference in whether or not it'll lead to these improvements in relationship quality and intimacy. Mm-hmm. So this is where we talk about what's called support preferences, which is how you like to be supported when you're having a tough time. Okay. One important aspect of giving support is something known as partner sensitivity. And what this term just means is that you are sensitive to who your spouse is as a person which is including their unique preferences. You're so good at this. Thank you. And you do this because you know your spouse well. Yeah, like you know my favorite type of ice cream. Chocolate chip mint? Yeah. Get it. And you know how to support your spouse in a way that matches how your spouse wants to be supported. That's also Mm -hmm. important too, because I know that if you're having a bad day, chocolate chip mint ice cream is not the answer. Right. Ice cream would be my answer. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You need popcorn. Yeah. Exactly. So, and these are the things that we have to learn about our spouses, right? Yeah. So let's just take this to to a research article from 2007 where they looked at partner sensitive and they came to the conclusion that it was a key building block for the formation of intimacy. Makes sense, right? Like if I really know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm being known. I feel like you know me. That's intimacy. And that you care. Yeah. Yes. And they studied the concept of partner sensitivity. They looked at 59 married couples who are videotaped disclosing information to one another. And they found that matching support, and I'll explain the term in a sec. Uh, No, I should do it now. Matching support (laughs) is just like, uh, when you need support, I match it to how you need it. Okay. So matching support following the disclosure of emotions was predictive of perceived partner sensitivity. Oh my dear. Yeah. Okay. English. English, yeah. If I match my support after you express something emotionally significant to me, like if I respond appropriately... Mm-hmm. to what you need, mm-hmm. you will perceive me as being more sensitive. 
Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And that increases marital satisfaction, of course. Yeah. Right? Because everybody likes their spouse to be sensitive. Yeah. Unless they say something out of place in which they wish they were insensitive and it just blew right by them. But that never works. That's another episode. Okay. okay. That just blew by me. Okay. <laughs> so what if it's Mitch, Mitch match support? <laughs> <laughs> then you need to drink less alcohol. <laughs> Mismatched. Mismatched support following the disclosure of emotions, predicted lower marital satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I've got the same problem. And but this is mediated by partner sensitivity or the perception of how, how much I see in you. The perception of how much I see you as being sensitive. We're having a hard time with this part. Yeah. Okay. So Mitch Matt. So if I don't if <laughs> <laughs> let me just try play it English. The problem is okay. we're trying to use words beyond our pay grade. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> okay. If I don't support you after you disclose something emotional. In a or way, if you mismatch. Okay, yes. In a yes, way yes. that's not aligned with what you need. Yes. Because of your personality. I'll be seen as insensitive. Absolutely. And your marital satisfaction is lower. Okay. So the first step is to get to know your spouse and his or her preferences. Yeah. Perhaps by asking outright or based on your knowledge of his or her responses over the years. And this is where you need to be a student of your spouse. Right. But like, what do these people do that are kind of newlyweds? It's okay to ask, like, yeah. what do you need right now? Yes. Yeah. How can I support you? Yes. Okay. What do you need from me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the answer might be like to go away. Yes. Or yeah. that they need a hug or Well, that's the thing is there's all these different variations, be. right? Hmm. And we need to really get to know each other by studying each other. Is it like, does your spouse prefer to be fussed over? Or to be left to have time to reflect quietly and process things. Mm. Do they need to talk it out or think it out? I would need to talk it out. I would need to think it out. <laughs> yes. Do they prefer extra affection or other ways of showing that you're there and you care? But like, don't give me the gooshy stuff right now because yeah. I'm just not there. Just go do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> like that? Note to self. <laughs> and is your spouse receptive to comfort sex? Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's the last thing on their mind and they just want to be held. Or maybe they don't want to be touched at all. Oh, yeah. Just be left alone. So it takes a while to study all this out. That's where I say, you know, if you are just getting married, bring lots of curiosity to your marriage. And in these moments when things are stressful, you know, try not to go straight to problem solving. Mm -hmm. Try to observe, study, learn, Mm -hmm. and emotionally connect. That's good. Okay. So that's matching your support response. Okay, can I just ask a question there? Yes. Like, it sounds so unromantic if your husband's having a bad day and you say, what do you need from me? Well, you can find out you what's know? going on first. And then yeah, you practice some of the active listening. It just sounds so unromantic. Well, don't ask it at the start, is all I'm saying. So if you've listened to him and empathized and yes. reflected and then yes. said, okay, like, Check what can up. I do for you? Check what do you need from me? Sorry. My turn. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> pick me, pick me. Uh, episode 15, Listen to Understand. Okay. So get the listening in there first. And when, when you've, I mean, everybody wants to be heard and understood yeah. why I would think. Yes. I guess some people go into a sullen silence if they're upset, but that's kind of misbehavior. Right. That's just kind of like stonewalling or something. Could be. Yeah. I'd want to unpack that a little bit. But anyways. Be curious. Be curious. Listen, understand, mm-hmm. and then say, well, what can I do for you? Okay. And then as you, or if you try different things, you just watch how they respond. That worked. That didn't work. Yeah, like if you touch her and she's like recoils, that's yeah. probably a good indication. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So then this kind of comes to the next thing that's related to this, which is the we're going to talk about a type of support and it's a slightly different issue because the type of support can either be what we call directive or non-directive, meaning that I'm going to tell you what to do. 
to get through this. And mm-hmm. non-directive means I'm just going to nurture you. Mm. Okay. So kind of like men versus women. <laughs> <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that because you're actually really good at that. You may have been stereotyping there. Maybe. So although it's important to know your spouse to become sensitive to the preferences, like we talked about support matching, mm-hmm. there's these two kinds of support. Directive and non-directive. So directive is also known as action facilitating support. It gets you to do something. Okay. Yeah. And it refers to behavior such as advice on how to handle the situation in a certain way or suggestions to follow a particular course of action. Mm-hmm. And for some folks, they just need to hear this. And it's sometimes they just need to hear this. Yeah. It depends on the situation that you're in. Yes. Yes. So it some- totally depends on the situation. Sometimes you like to be told what to do when you're overwhelmed, like you, Verlinda. Yes. And for me, having a few people, however caring they might might be, telling me what to do, it just increases my overwhelm. Right. Yeah. So for you, okay, but we're not in, talking about a few people here. We're talking about your wife. Yeah. So same thing. Yes, but here's the thing: like, let's say you're in a situation, mm-hmm. like God forbid, one of our kids gets cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay. My parents are on the phone telling us what to do. Your parents are on the phone offering counsel and advice. Right. And now you're going to come and tell me what to do. Okay. I guess it's kind of one-sided because we both be figuring it out, but you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could be the third person oh, by the time okay. you get there. Yeah. That's possible. And that's just because what I meant there, like sometimes more input and more feedback is overwhelming. It's not what you need. It's not helpful. Okay. And yet for some people it does work. And I would just add the caveat then that if, if this does work for your spouse, make sure there's lots of emotional connection. You've taken the time to understand and you're right. matching the solutions you're offering with the type of person that they are. Okay. Yeah. So we don't want to just go into this with advice giving mode or problem solving mode because then we're back to facts and not feelings. Yes. Yeah. On the other hand, sometimes it's time for action. Like when you had news last April that your dad had a stroke. Right. I made the call on that and I kind of took charge there. Yeah. I was pretty much barking out orders for 90 minutes, getting stuff ready to go in a facilitative positive way. (laughs) Yes. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And we were in the truck and we were on to our 21 hour road trip or van at the time. And we we're on the road. And that's yes. what needed to happen. Yes. That was directive support then, but that wasn't always that kind of support that I provided through that incident. Right. And do you know what? If you hadn't have like stopped and hugged me and talked about it first. Right. Like, yeah, I would have appreciated this once we got there, but it might have been a tense road trip. Yeah. That's true. You know? And that's, so that's about the learning piece, right? Because I don't yeah. want people to think like I'm the pariah of figuring this stuff out. And No, but that's what was needed in that situation. But if I come home and I'm like overwhelmed with, I don't know, doing a big dinner at the church or something, and you start in this, 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 and handing out orders, like uh, that would go well. No, that would be a totally different situation. Yes. So you have to match it. Yes. You don't want to have mismatched support. No, part of it is directive versus non-directive. That's the point here. Oh, right. We're past mismatch. So, no, but it's the same thing, but different angle. Non-directive support is the nurturing kind. So that refers to the researchers when they were doing this, it refers to statements indicating confidence in the person's ability to handle the situation or offers to help if help is needed. And so these, these kind of displays of support provide no particular set of directions for you or for whoever the recipient might be. And it doesn't imply that the person offering the support has a clear mm. idea of what should be done either. Mm-hmm. It's just nurturing your spouse. Mm-hmm. And that, as you said, it can look like holding them. It can look like sitting beside them. Or in your case for Linda, bringing a bowl of ice cream and slapping <laughs> it down on the desk in front of me and saying, here, drown your sorrows in this. <laughs> that, was, that 
That was so... That was a wonderful marriage moment. Loving and understanding. and It was. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, here's a quarter. Call someone who cares. Yeah, pretty much. That's more on the directive end of things. But I think that was a matched response because it did kind of snap me out of my phone because it was so ridiculous. Right. And you Anyways. inhaled the ice cream. Yeah, I did end up drowning myself. <laughs> So the question is like, which one works better, directive or non-directive? And I think you can already get which way we're leaning. But what these, these same researchers did is they took couples and they observed them discussing problem areas in their life. And one partner listened and was instructed to give feedback to the other person. Okay. Okay. And so later on, each spouse rated the feedback that was given based on how helpful or unhelpful it was and whether it had a perceived emotional impact. Like, did it make me feel good or did it make me feel bad? Okay. What they saw is that couples give more directive support than non-directive support. Right. We come up with solutions. Yeah. Drown your sorrows in this bowl of ice cream. No, that was non-directive. That was being very... That was non-directive? That was pretty much a command. Yeah, but I wasn't telling you what to do with your problem. I was telling you, I don't know what to do with the problem either. And I know you love ice cream. So here's a little love offering. I think you're romanticizing (laughs) what actually happened. Historians disagree with your account. That's total ouch. That's totally what happened. By the way, just for Ow. those of you that are on audio only, that was a self-inflicted one. <laughs> I did not just punch my wife. <laughs> I just smacked it. Okay. Should we keep going before you do greater injury? Yes. Okay. So couples gave more directive support than non-directive support. Yeah. Which may or may not relate to bowls of ice cream. But they found that the non-directive support had a more positive emotional impact. Surprise, surprise. Just like understanding and connecting yes now there's one caveat to underscore underscore here and that is they found a difference between individuals who are depressed and those who are not depressed and so the depressed individuals they were especially sensitive to the negative effects of more directive support oh and so if you're someone who experiences periods of depressive symptoms or your spouse is that person Mm -hmm. that spouse may be more likely to find the direct support unhelpful And may also believe that it even makes them feel worse. You know what? I would have thought totally the opposite thing. That they just need clarity and instructions and told to go do it? Yeah. And like if you give a depressed person too much empathy, it'll make them go further into a depression. But that's totally wrong. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And so what they observed was, then kind of pull all this together, is that couples tend to give directive support more often, even though non-directive support, the nurturing kind, seems to be more appreciated. Hmm. Something to be aware of. Yes. That's kind of about making sure you have that right kind of support. Mostly non-directive, nurturing, drawing alongside, being present. Giving ice cream. (laughs) You're going to keep working that one in there. (laughs) All right. Finally, it's not just these ways and kinds and types of support, Mm -hmm. but also the right amount of support, quantity. Mm. And so another study, 2009, looked at the under provision of uh, what they called partner support and the overprovision of partner support and marital satisfaction. They compared giving too much support, not giving enough support okay, and marital satisfaction in newlywed husbands and wives over the first five years of their marriage. So the underprovision of support is related to receiving less support than was desired. And the support was either insufficient in quantity or was not the type of support that the person wanted. Okay. The overprovision of support was about getting more support than they wanted. Yeah. In which case, the individual might have wanted less of it or not wanted that kind or did not want support at all. 
And what they found is that both the over-provision and the under-provision were associated with declines in marital satisfaction over the first five years of marriage. Which makes sense. Yes. And the over-provision of support was a greater risk factor for marital decline than under-provision. Wow. That was a surprise. Yeah. And I'm guessing, my thought in there is, and this wasn't in the article, but I'm thinking about kind of projecting myself into that situation. I'm thinking that looks like a parent-child relationship. That of a peer-based um, relationship, yeah. marriage. What or like you, a smothering one. Like, yeah. you're the type that likes to be left alone to think it out. Yeah. And if I'm continually giving support, like that drives you nuts. Yeah. Or if I'm just interrupting, period. Whereas if I want to talk it out and you're not there to listen, like I can still think it through. Yeah. That's so it's under not, provision. It's that's distressing. under provision. So it's distressing, but it's not as bad. Like it's not going to cause me to flip not that you ever flip or anything but you know what i mean like i think it would just not as distressing yeah to be under provided than to be way over the top all the time yeah yes yeah so you want to watch your quantity of support and that's kind of Hmm. both this so this is really about kind of tuning into your spouse right yeah like a balance yes balancing act very much so and so that's that is this whole subject of how to support your spouse when they're going through these tough times Thinking about these different factors that come into play, how much directive, non-directive, how much in terms of quantity, mm-hmm. and just trying to balance that all out. And then and then making sure that we have the emotional part and not just sort of solutions and education part. Mm-hmm. Okay? Maybe that's where the internet's a downfall. Like we can research something to death, but it doesn't give us the emotional connection that we want. Right. And often hmm. we're going to that research to get away from the difficult emotional, emotional. feelings. And if we could share that with our spouse... That would just have such a better outcome. It would reduce the anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So I think there's been a lot of great information here, but it's also quite a bit to digest. So I have a couple things I'd like to offer. The first is that you can review the content of this episode on our website. Berlinda writes up every show like a blog post. And the short link to that blog post is oyf.link slash 91. Just type that into your browser. You'll be right there. It's oyf.link slash 91. And you can get a PDF there as well, which I'm going to talk about now. And this is a worksheet. I would say it's more like guidelines than a worksheet this time. Okay. It's a one-page PDF you can print out and bring with you to your next discussion. Now, that's kind of dorky for some people, but for other people, they just like to have something in hand. And so if you and your spouse are good with this, it might, it will work for you. I shouldn't say it's dorky. I would feel dorky. It's dorky to you. Yeah. Yes. I found couples on both sides of this. They're like, ah, eh, no, we won't do that. Some people will print this out, put it on the fridge. Wow. Some people okay. will read it and study it and just kind of handle it as it comes. Okay. So whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. Talk to your spouse about doing this. It just helps sometimes to have some guidelines. And with this handout, it's like we're right there sitting with you, guiding you through the feedback process about support issues. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And then there's kind of a few questions at the end to debrief what went well, what was helpful and so on. So it is about helping you learn this. If this is a spot where you've missed each other, this gives you a structured way to come to that. And you can get this by opening your browser to oyf.link slash 91. That's the blog post. Look for the shaded box on that blog post. There's an orange button. You can click that and you can get your email in there and we'll send you the link. Or if you're on your phone today, you can text the word podcast to 9292 spouse. If you have to pay for text messages, you'll have to pay for that text message. And to get that, all you need to do is text the word podcast to 9292 spouse. Or you can find this bonus on our website, like we said, at oif.link slash 91. We'll ask for your email. We'll be able to send you a link to download this one page guideline. So that's that. 
Yeah. All good? I think so. Okay, folks, if this was useful for you, we'd love for you to share how it's helped you via an iTunes review. This encourages us. And it also helps raise the prominence of our show on iTunes. There's a lot of clutter in the kids and family category, and you've helped us rank consistently in the top 100. Mm -hmm. And what we'd love to be is a top 10 show. So please leave us a review today. We appreciate your time. Uh, We're really thankful to read that. And we'll share it on the show here as well. And that helps us to get ranked higher. And it's not just for our ego. That's how we reach more marriages. That's the Mm -hmm. purpose. Yep. So next week, what are we talking about? What to do when you want to fix your marriage. And your spouse either thinks everything is fine or is unwilling to admit there's a problem. Mm. Or maybe just doesn't even want to work on it. Mm -hmm. I've actually heard people say this more often than I'd like to admit. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be a fairly popular episode. Yeah. Well, that's all for today's episode. As we mentioned a moment ago, you can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 91. And God bless you all. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, it depends on the situation that you're in. Yes. Yes. (coughs) (laughs) Nicely done.